0: My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit.
1: they
0: here. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee motherfucker. It's showtime. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks.
1: Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, we're all waiting for Santa to squeeze his jolly white ass down the (laughs) chimney. So this is another another one of our Christmas season movies. What are we going to review today?
0: Well, Dave, we are going to review the Chevy Chase-led Christmas romp, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which came out in 1989. Now, I mean, this is
1: one, it, before this rewatch, Chris, I'd have to say, you know, if, you, if you'd if you have asked me, what are, what are my top three Christmas movies, then this would have definitely been in that top three because I just remember loving this. as Not not a young kid, but you know I'm starting to grow up around this time. We'd have watched it in 1990. didn't go to the cinema, so got it out when it came, first came out on video. Uh, got the old double video scenario set up, so we had it all the Christmases after that as well. But um, what, what do you remember of this movie?
0: I'm pretty much the same as you, Dave. I think personally... You know, we've, we've done Die Hard. Die Hard, Home Alone are always my go-to movies without a doubt. I could, you know, I literally stretched The Lethal Weapon, I suppose, there. That's just because I love the movie so much. But this was always in there. It's always in there as one of my favourites. Uh Love... The National Lampoon series, the original one when they go to Wally World, you've got John Candy cameras. I love that. You know, you're chasing Chrissy Brinkley, the European vacation, when he uh not they win a trip, don't they? And then I, I remember the bit where he gets his camera stolen in the in the Paris and stuff by that guy. Okay. And you've got Beverly D'Angelo, his wife's uh, basically naked all over billboards and that. These all little jokes that you know go with it. I always love the fact she called him Sparky. And then when this came out around eighty-nine. All in on it, Dave. Loved it. Watched it loads and loads of times. And it's the sort of thing I thought, you know what? I could sit there and put this on at any time of the year and enjoy it because it was always them sort of iconic bits within the movie. I'm um, really interested to think to see what you think now because I've probably, realistically, I've probably not watched it for maybe seven or eight years. But either way, I was really looking forward to doing this one, Dave, considering some of the turkeys you've thrown at me the last few weeks to try and get me back. <laughs> because you've never forgiven me for no holds barred. I, I was interested <laughs> in this one, definitely. Yeah, so, I and and
1: definitely, you know, I used to love when they went to Wally World and, uh, you know, the European Vacation. Watch those to death, and we'll definitely have to tackle those in the new year. Um, so when this one came around, you know, I was just a massive fan of Chevy Chase and obviously Beverly D'Angelo as well. Um, but, you know, I guess I thought it was an instant hit for me. So even though I only watched it in 90, you know, it felt like I'd, I'd known the characters. Obviously, the kids change all the time, don't they? But yeah. Clark and Ellen, you know, are, are always the same, and those are the main characters. So, you know, you just sort of grow up loving those characters. So, yeah, for me, instant hit. And then it was one of those that it didn't feel, you know, when, when you started to get a little bit older, it didn't feel like Christmas until you'd watch this, because actually, you know, we don't even experience Christmas Day in this one, do we? It's all about that build-up. Yeah. And so, in real life, and when you start to grow up, and you know, you you go away to college, maybe, and and get yourself a job and what have you, then you know, it's not all. A lot of it is about the build-up and just the preparation and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. But over the years. I haven't watched it as much. And so it must be a good, I reckon it's probably a good 10 years since I've watched this now. And, and it, it, it wasn't quite how I remembered it. <laughs>
0: no. No. Um, now, Dave, before we get into that, we need to listen to our trailer, don't we? Yeah, let's go. To be jolly, Dave, after vacationing across j- America j- and j- throughout Europe.
1: Take it, Russ. This holiday season, la, 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 the la, Griswolds la, 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 la. are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck. Oops. They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. <laughs> Sorry. Oops. Got a little knot here. Can work on that.
0: What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. Oh, hell, there's plenty of room. Do you sleep with your
1: brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is, Mom? Well, I'm sleeping with your father.
0: Have you got a kiss for me? Eh, uh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. right? He's got lip fungus. They ain't identified yet. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching. We were gonna call, but Eddie wanted to make it a surprise.
1: If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now.
0: Ah, I'm really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can
1: I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead? More truly uplifting.
0: Can I show you something? I was just blouse browsing. Or more down to earth.
1: Santa is smart. He'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. Then ah! Christmas with the Griswolds. Everybody, come
0: out quick! Look at the lights. They want you to say grace. I pledge allegiance
1: to the flag of the United States of America. This year, let Chevy Chase light up your holidays.
0: National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. (laughs) (gasps) You crack up.
1: Now, something that I hadn't even realized, and I'm not sure if it's just because I didn't get the tape ready in time, but we actually start off with a bit of a cartoon and a bit of a Christmas jingly song, don't we, before we get into any of the live action stuff. So that, that really threw me off a little bit. But we get to, to meet Clark and Ellen again, and they're, they're leading the songs, and you've got the kids in the back not really joining in at all. And. So straight away, we're back with the Griswolds again. And it just feels like a comfortable old pair of slippers to me. It just, it just feels great. And then you've got Clark, who's doing his best to be the, the best dad that he can be. But uh, when you've got this truck uh, tailgating, he can't resist flipping them off as they drive past. And, and we end up in a little bit of a, a race off there. He ends up under a truck and then careering off the highway into a bunch of snow before they go and chase down their perfect Christmas tree. Now,
0: Chris, what do you make to this opening? Well, just before I do get into that, Dave, I I love listening back to our podcast. I really do. I love the, the fact that it's just us, not in a narcissistical way, just the subject matter. It's stuff that we care about, stuff we've never seen, whatever it is. There's an angle for both of us when we do the podcast. And I've got to say, Listening back, Dave, my bad guy persona is getting worse and worse and worse by each podcast. <laughs> and I am trying not to be, as we've been called out on Twitter a few times by some of our friends, the heel. But I just can't ignore the fact that I was expecting so, so much from this movie, Dave, so much. I was thinking, this is going to be great. It's going to turn around some of the crap stuff we reviewed across this podcast and the comedy in Motion and I'm like no and I always loved Clark Griswold always did I love I love the fact that he's always chasing women who are just out of his reach for some reason <laughs> and he's got a rather nice looking wife there but I always had a thing for Beverly D'Angelo when I was younger Dave so it always used to not bug me but always was a running joke we had Christy Brinkley in the first one in the Ferrari and he followed her everywhere did he and that and it's one of them things where I was thinking, it's going to be good this. And within about 15 minutes, I'm sat there thinking, there's not once of a laughed. There's not once of a thought. That's quite good. And I remember Chevy Chase, Dave being, and I remember watching the three amigos with Steve Barton and Martin, Oh, what's he called? Martin um, And I remember watching it. thinking The little one. The little one, Martin, <laughs> whatever he's called. Is it Martin? Not my Freeman. That's not the office. But, uh, Remember thinking at the time, great film, loved it. Watch it now, it's fucking terrible. But I always regarded Chevy Chase in the same mold as John Candy, Steve Martin. Now, obviously, we've just recently reviewed Planes, Chains, and Automobiles, and that still stands up really, really well. Yes, there's a few dated jokes because of the time that it's set, and there's a few things that are probably a little bit inappropriate, but on a whole, it was a great movie, and I absolutely loved it. You know that. We did Freddie Spuler*, a movie that I've watched over and over just Didn't like it this time, and watching this, it seemed to me to become more about Chevy Chase trying everything he can and shoehorning in every sort of thing of his range of acting, everything he can to, to make it funny. But I just didn't find it funny, I genuinely didn't. And, and I think what's interesting is Chris Columbus, who obviously directed Home Alone he got offered this part of directing it. And he actually was started the original screenshots and that for the movie and some of the stills and some of the things. Yeah. And he basically had a meeting with Chevy Chase and was like, I can't do this. And luckily, he got offered by John Hughes then the Home Alone script. And that's exactly what he took, thank God. But I really struggled this time because all the stuff I loved about Chevy Chase and Clark Griswold, watching it now, I just kept thinking, it's just not funny. I I, I, I kept waiting. I know when you watch something, you watch Home Alone, you know what's coming. You're not going to get absolute belly laughs. There's a few bits with the wet bandits, especially in the second one in New York, what are still quite funny when they're both like, you know, getting smacked by the paint bottles and things like that. But with this, even the stuff that I knew was coming, I just didn't find any of it funny. And I don't know about you and I I feel horrible going down this route again, but I'm blaming it all on you, Dave, because you've picked these fucking films. So... (laughs) (laughs)
1: You wait till we watch Snake in the Monkey's Shadow next year. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I mean, John Hughes said the same. It, it seems only right, doesn't it, that uh, that we see out the Christmas season and the new and the new leading into the new year, um, that we sort of finish off with a John Hughes movie because he was so prolific in the eighties, wasn't he? But I think even he has been quoted as saying, you know, that the National Lampoon stuff just ended up turning into the Chevy Chase show. It, it was all about him and less about the story. Um, not that I think John Hughes cared too much about the story. I get the impression this was this came from a short story, didn't it? Most of his are sort of written up in a matter of days, and then he just makes a you know sometimes great movies. But um, no, I, I think that. I think there is – there's not the belly laughs. And you know I said to you, you know, for years it felt like Christmas. When I'd watched this, it felt like Christmas. Over time, you know, just putting it out there, Elf kind of replaced this. So when I see Elf now with Will Ferrell, and I know you've, uh, you're you not a fan of that one, but to me, when I see that, then it feels like Christmas then. um, So I think – this is more like a a heartwarming type of movie and a lot of the John Hughes movies do have that heart with them don't they but yeah I think the I think comedy's just possibly moved on a little bit you've got the Chevy Chase sort of slapstick comedy a lot of his facial expressions are what one of the things you know that, that I always remember and you know he's playing a mid midfort you know a middle aged man at this point isn't he with a young family um so in theory this should resonate with us a bit more than it, it ever did as kids but i definitely see what you mean it it, it didn't really stand up the way i thought it was going to stand up it didn't stand, it, it hasn't stood up in this opening like plainston and trains and automobiles did
0: no, and one thing I would give. No, I, I totally agree. I, I really had a problem with it, but one thing I would say, and it sounds daft. Chevy Chase is obviously going for the the you know the comedic the position in the whole movie. He stands everything up. He is the, the the sort of glue of everything that's happening in the movie. Whatever goes wrong is either a, cons- a consequence of something he's done, or it has an impact on something that he's doing within. this trying to get this create this ideal Christmas uh, for the family and that. But I actually find that, I, and I know that in the other movies, to be fair, I actually warm to him more when he's acting, as in the bit where, I mean, it's a bit weird, the bit where he's looking out to the pool and that, that girl he'd met earlier on who was a stunning one at the... Um, Nicolette Scorsese. Apparently. That was her. Oh, is it not Martin's daughter, is it? But um,
1: uh, it's, it's not. No. But I, I did look her up, to be honest.
0: I bet you did, Mr. Dorex, I bet you did. Now, obviously, we get that little interaction of in Russie's head. He's always some sort of sleazy bit to Clark, isn't there? But it's when he's looking out and he's there looking at this pool thing and he's getting a bit too excited holding on to the front door. I was, half expe- the window, I was half expecting the window to crack, Dave, because he got a lob on, let's be honest. But his <laughs> niece then turns up and says something. And as he turns round, I, I know we've talked about this as well, but... I was expecting to have a hard-on or something because I, I, was thinking, <laughs> I, I was thinking, please don't show this. I kept thinking, I don't remember it, but I'm thinking, my God, don't turn around and there's a young girl there who's under like eight or whatever. And luckily there wasn't, but when he had the heart-to-heart with her, I'd buy into his character more, Dave, when he's down and he's talking about trying to make it a good Christmas. I think you you relate to it more as a parent because you do want your kids to have a great Christmas. All right, my daughter's an adult now, but I remember all them years just wanting her to be happy, seeing that smile on her face. It was usually playing with a fucking box, Dave, not the three hundred pound presents we'd
1: spend. It was (laughs) usually that come in the box.
0: Yeah, that come (laughs) in the box. As as any kid and any parent would tell you, it's usually the, the most the cheapest stuff. It's more. Us for our conscience buying him really expensive stuff. So I I really, really related to him then, and and there's a couple of bits. I'll I'll be honest with you, Dave. Even though I didn't really enjoy it, like I I thought, there's some really is some good heartwarming, lump in throat moments. I think with his dad and stuff like that. That 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 did get me a little bit. Not not like planes, trains and automobiles, where I'm gone at the end, as I mentioned before. But but yeah, I I think he's a good actor. I just think the comedy, like you've just said, it's completely moved on, and unfortunately. It, it, these things stand up in time, you can still go and watch this for me just didn't does does not stand up at all,
1: yeah, I mean, so just going back to that window scene where he's imagining his, his pool and the the counter girl um sort of undressing on there and and like you say, he's gripping the window pane, isn't he? You talked about a lump in the throat moment <laughs> for a few seconds when the little girl's walking up. I am genuinely fearful yes. that we're going to get an erection joke yes. for a few seconds. I thought he's going to turn around and <laughs> he's going to have a hard on there. And yeah. luckily they didn't quite go there, but I mean, I, I wonder if it was discussed because the intensity that, that he was looking out there, you know, it, it was just a bit mad, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. But, I mean, getting back to the beginning there. So, we say about the kids, so uh, I think it was the European vacation one, wasn't it, where we had Ma- Antina Michael Hall, uh, who's in weird science and basically everything else that John Hughes did, it seems, for a while. Um, but then he gets he finds this perfect Christmas tree, which is clearly too big for any normal-sized house. But I, I completely forgot, you got not only Juliette Lewis there, but you also get Johnny Galecki, so Leonard from The Big Bang Theory. And you know, they—they're not—they're not really bothered, are they, about the ages? Because I'm sure Rusty was the older one in European Vacation, and he's clearly the younger one here. So they—they're just a son and a daughter, aren't they? Just randomly put in yeah. there to, for Chevy Chase to bounce off. Yeah. But um, yeah, he ends up. I tell you what, old Clark Griswold, I reckon he's been taking some Super Soldier Serum because. Because Rusty says, have you brought a saw? And then his face changes, like you know, got this big shit-eating grin on his face that he's found this perfect Christmas tree, but he hasn't brought a saw. So the next shot you see is is where they've got this whole tree roots and everything strapped to the top of that, you know, iconic Griswold, Griswold mobile. But how the fuck do you
0: just pull out a tree from its roots? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose they're saying he's towed it out or something. I don't know, Dave. I mean, that that vehicle that that's tailgated him at the start. He's used in a film with Kurt Russell. Uh, it's actually a prop they've just recycled. It was in a couple of movies towards the late '80s that Warner Brothers oh, right. reused. I don't know what the movie. I think it was called Overlord or something. The movie, something like that. But uh, I've never seen it. But yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, you, you get the tree. It's the typical Griswold sort of spin, typical joke. I remember loving the European vacation and, and especially Wally World. I absolutely love their movies. Whether they stand up, I don't know, but I absolutely loved them. And I'm, I'm watching this thinking I always enjoyed this. So it was, I didn't think it was the best of the three. I think I'd probably say European was my favourite. I'll probably watch that movie. Yeah, me too. Too. But then closely followed by the first one. And then this. And, and And I genuinely went into this with no fear of coming out of it, shitting on it. And... I mean, a messaged you didn't about halfway through and I went, you know what, Dave, there's nothing going on. There's no jokes. There's nothing made me laugh. There's nothing happened. I genuinely was really shocked by, it's just too obvious, not because I've seen it before. But like you say, I think what we've both talked about with Chevy Chase, it becomes too much about him. Too much is about him going for laughs and at this point obviously he'd had he started on Saturday Night Live but he had his own show the Chevy Chase show he'd had all sorts of things around 87, 88 he'd actually presented the Golden Globes in that day or the Oscars or whatever the Academy Award it was something like that so I think he was just believing his own hype And, and we both know this and I'm sure a lot of people listening do he's just a fucking arse in real life I believe an absolute nightmare to work with
1: Yeah, I was was gutted when I found out, you know, especially with the internet now. Actors can't be, and and just general entertainers, can't be complete dicks as much as they used to be, it it seems. Because pretty soon, you know, all the stories kind of come out and and people just don't want to work with you anymore. Like you say, with the the director who went on to work on Home Alone, he just apparently clashed with Chevy Chase. Well, no, he probably just wouldn't stand up for his shit like, like most people sort of had to. But, you know, yeah. he, he comes across like... And I was reading some of the quotes coming into this, and, and you know, he'd said to, like, Donald Glover, oh, people just think you're funny because you, you they think you're funnier because you're black. And it's like, you know, is, is he just... Is it a bit of a David Brent misfire on the, on the comedy or or does he genuinely believe that apparently on Saturday night live, he'd said to some guy um, who who he was working with, who was gay, openly gay. And he'd said to him, Oh, let's, let's do a a sketch where uh, you have AIDS and each week we'll weigh you and see how much weight you've lost. And you're like, fucking hell, you know? So, so from the quotes, themselves just reading them through text you don't know whether he's trying to be funny and just massively getting it wrong or the trouble is you know there's so many people that just say he's an absolute twat to work with which is why he ended up disappearing i mean the fact that he had a few flops as well didn't he so getting into the 90s um he he was no longer that pull and i think this is probably his last hurrah really you know and this was more kind of born out of the previous two movies as well. And and just because it's a, a proper Christmas movie, christmasy movie, um, it stands the, the test of time a bit better than than the others.
0: Yeah, and, and what no, you're right, Dave. And sort of segueing back, Dave, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know my love for lethal weapon. And when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, I'm sure that's Roger Murtaugh's house. I'm sure it is. And so I did a bit of research, and apparently it's not Roger Murtagh's house. It is Roger Murtar's house, but not the Griswolds, the snotty couple next door, Scott and, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Todd, sorry, Todd and Margot next door. That mm-hmm. is actually the Murtars house at a weapon, because that whole yeah. estate is on the back lot of Warner Brothers. As soon as I saw the Griswold house, I thought that just looked the double of... Uh, The Murtagh's House in Lethal Weapon, but it wasn't the next door to it. And it is actually in every single film, The National Lampoons, because I had to get to this, Dave. I mean, I talk about reaching, you know, they reckon that this movie is in the same universe as Lethal Weapon, Dave. All right. Okay, I want to hear this one. (laughs) No, that's it, because of the house. Just because they're saying that it's on the same estate and everything. I'm like, how why just because it's the same properties i mean i've seen some that i tagged you in on facebook one of our listeners phil who i work with is a good friend of mine he actually said he, he's afraid to listen to the gremlins movie because he loves it so much but i did see that i don't know if you already knew this that the actual whole set for gremlins is the back to the future set whole hill valley i've, I've yeah, never even yeah.
1: i didn't even know that so yeah you're saying about that and when this one came out of the box office it was it it was second to back to the future Two, So you've got this whole kind of interconnected eighties, ness about it all. Um, But yeah, so what, what do you think of the, the social standing of Clark Griswold? Because you, you mentioned about the yuppie neighbors there and you know, they're basically they have a torrid time of it, don't they? You know, and they, they don't really, other than being yuppies, you know, they don't really do a lot to deserve some of the venom that Clark throws away because the, I think Scott, isn't it? When he when he sees the trees, like where are you gonna where are you gonna put that thing? And he says, bend over and I'll show you. And then he says, You've got a hell of a nerve, Griswold. And he was like, I wasn't talking to you, you know, implying you know he's talking to Margot. And I'm like, hmm. I I, I know it's kind of half funny, but there was no build-up to it at all. And they're constantly, throughout it, tormented. Now, I think what it is, it's this trope of like, you know, they're they're successful, they've got money, they've got no kids, so they've got tons of disposable income and whatever. But I look at Clark's house, and he's he's trying to put a... I don't know where exactly this is set, but, you know, he's got a Chicago Bears cap on, so it's clearly up there. It's very snowy in the winter. And he's on about putting in a swimming pool. It's like... It all seems a bit ostentatious to me. You know, he's not—he's hardly a blue-collar worker,
0: is he? No, it, I think I think you're right. He's it, actually supposed to be Chicago, but the, most of the photography that was done in sort of Colorado, you know, obviously California, Dave. Um, that's what's really strange about this—the the continuity. And obviously, it's it called out the fact that he goes to get a tree in a really hilly area and stuff. You know, like a proper. The, out in the forest and stuff. I don't know. There's a lot of continuity yeah. problems, but I'm with you on that. Now, I'll tell you a little story. You know this story. My listeners probably don't. I moved out about five years ago. We, uh, Sam had a house before me um, with her ex. Lovely house. She bought it. I moved in with a video, bag of videos and a bike. Did quite well for myself, Dave. Got married to her. We had Jordan there. That was our house. We lived there for, I got 98. So I lived in that house for 16 years. Jordan was born there. She was 14 when we left. That was her house. And I left because I had an absolute cock of a neighbour. An absolute cock who, if it had carried on, and it's not to get too serious, I would have done serious time because that man was horrible, Dave. He was just a horrible man. But, Clark Griswold, probably why I don't like this one as much, is the neighbour from hell, Dave. My neighbour wasn't like Clark. He wasn't (laughs) trying to make things good. He was just a twat. But this Clark Griswold, if you were living next door to him, Dave, and I never had sympathy for his neighbours, the the two of them. I always thought they were stuck up. Typical John Hughes, you know, that sort of, he always puts someone quite pompous in the movie who gets shot down, like the guy in in Ferris Bueller when he goes for the meal and he's like, I'm a What's the environmental
1: inspector from ghostbusters walter peck walter peck just yeah, a yeah that's what i mean arsehole, yeah it?
0: he's in dyad he's, he's richard fingering yeah. he? you're totally Journalist. right the journal you've got these pompous people and and i always thought they were dicks and i'm thinking they just sat there they've got a lovely house it's, they've got lovely like color coordinated lovely lights they've got great stereo system that they love each other they're just getting on with a life and then the fucking Bella next door is just firing fucking if what's he fire through a load of ice through one window smashes <laughs> it yeah. got,
1: smashes the, the, fucking the, tree. the brand new cd player <laughs>
0: yeah the cd like the tree comes through on him then he's giving him shit then she goes around she gets attacked by a fucking squirrel and the dog and then she does chin <laughs> Todd. Todd gets fucking dropped by her because he wouldn't go around but i agree i don't know whether it's that what i'm sort of thinking as I, I i think you've Said this a few times when you watch these things as a kid, you, you, you're you trained to hate these people. But when you watch it back, as you get older, we, you end up sympathizing with them, thinking, No, they're being absolute cocks, these people. He just wants a quiet life, or she wants a quiet life. And I'm watching it again. I kept thinking, These poor people, they're going to end up in the fucking madhouse if this carries on. With yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it is bizarre how your perspective changes, isn't it, over time. And, and definitely, you know, it was all played for laughs, but. They didn't seem to warrant any of the abuse, and and like you say, if if that was you, you'd be um, you'd be pretty upset with having that neighbour, especially like when the tree just smashes through the window. I mean, you'd be
0: going mental, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd be down there probably fighting with him on their fucking garden, Dave, or something. Either that, I'd be getting a branch up his ass be one wanted the no. other <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bend over and I'll show you.
0: <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about the department store, David. Now. I forgot this again. Obviously, as we've said, there's always some sort of female sub-character that Clark is looking from the window on the outside thinking they're better than what he's got at home with Ellen. Poor, suffering Ellen. You know, Beverly Ann's always a really, really attractive woman. Definitely up there with Goldie Horn for me and some of my favourite 80s leading ladies. And I think... <sighs> I don't know whether it's just... Be, no, I know obviously we've got the Me Too movement and all that and I get that and, it, and it's right and it's the right... We shouldn't all be treated equally and I'm not trying to tread over myself here or trip up, but but genuinely that's what the 80s were about. There was always this sort of... Women were just used in, as, as sexual objects. and That's exactly what she's used for. Now, I don't know whether it's because of that because you educate yourself, you get wise. I say, I've got a 19-year-old daughter. Is it because of that? I don't know, but... Yes, she's stunning. She's a good-looking girl, and we get the whole. She lifts her skirt up. he has got the underwear there. You know the typical shitty jokey. And again, I've, I think again, it's playing strange on the Automobiles playbook. John uses use because he picks up. He's talking to. Them, he picks up a pair of knickers and starts dampening down his head because he's sweating. And I'm like, because he's getting off us. I'm just like. It's not fucking funny and it's too predictable for me. And obviously, uh, Russ comes over, Rusty comes over, and he's there like saying something about like, there's no hemline, panty line, or whatever. And then he, he looks at him like that as you say, oh shit. But I didn't find any of it funny or uncomfortable. I just thought it was pretty shit, really. I just thought it was another Chevy Chase thing to this Clark Griswold character. You're doing the same stuff we've seen in two other movies, and I know you've got to stick to it because it's a comedy, but I just didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't find any, any of it funny or, or anything. It was just, for me, it was just a misstep. And, and I really, really think that I think you were right. This is probably the last film he did. And I think judging by what we see in this, he couldn't have gone any other way and he couldn't have made any more because it almost sends him being like the fucking Police Academy where you've got about 15 films after the first couple, which are pretty good, and then it just fell off. And, and I think this one, he's just resting on old laurels and he's, he's flexing that muscle memory more than anything, to be honest.
1: I mean, it's just sleazy, isn't it? I mean, I, so I was saying about Nicolette Scorsese. So as, as I do sometimes, you know, it's just scrolling down IMDB and that <laughs> name jumps out at you. So it's just like, oh, I wonder if she's related, you know, it'd be in his wheelhouse of of beautiful uh, young wives. But no, they're they're not related. They just share the same name. But yeah, it's it's that old kind of, it seems, well, it is cliche now, isn't it? So I don't know, you know, at the time was it i think it was just on par with the comedy of the day you know he took he misuses his words doesn't he He talks about oh it's hooter instead of hotter and you know he said oh it's a bit nipple out um (laughs) and the girl says you know can i take something out for you and he's clearly just staring at her chest um and he says says he's divorced as well so like you say i mean he's 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 trying his hardest to be the best dad in the world. He's got a lovely devoted wife there, but he's, he just sort of comes across as a bit of a dick really, doesn't he? You know, it's, it's again, if, if this thing was shot today, I'm pretty sure the critics would, would write him up as being a, a fairly villainous character.
0: Yeah. It's weird, isn't it Dave? Because you, you do have sympathy for him. As like we said before, as a parent, but, I just don't find any of it. And I mean, after this, we get this whole sledge scene as well, where he gets on a sledge. And this sledge, you know, the laws of physics, obviously. Again, it reminded me, in some respects, of planes, trains, and automobiles, Dave, when they've got the car scene. I know it's a completely different object, but the way Chevy Chase is acting in that, it just reminded me of Steve Martin and John Candy. He, He... it was just shit. And it's there. Just it's, it's like a fucking torpedo. It's just the inertia of it, the way it's moving. It just defies logic. And he's like, oh, and he shoots through a shopping center. He goes through some outhouse. He ends up going, at, so he ends up at the supermarket or wherever it is, where his family is, you know, the Walmart or whatever it is. And you've got his cousin, their cousin there, Eddie, and uh, all that stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know when I'm supposed to be funny. And you said about his facial expressions. I was like, I'm not getting it, and I feel so bad on the. I mean, I must admit, David, some of the other films. Like I don't give a shit about. It. As in, if I mean, if if it's shit, I'll call it shit and go. This is, but this one, I'm so disappointed. It's not how I imagined it, and I think um, It feels so much like Ferris Bueller that I so wish I hadn't watched it. I, I really do because I just don't think anything in it is funny at all.
1: Well, what I kind of like about it though is it kind of. To me, it enhances his character. So something that I'd never really given much thought in the past. And, uh, you know, basically, he's he's some kind of chemical engineer, isn't he? Yes. Because, you know, he's basing his whole bonus on the fact that, um, you know, he's created this thing called the Crunch Enhancer, which keeps the milk out of your cereal. And then for the whole sled thing, you know, it's, it's some kind of, a chemical that his company's companies produce, so you know he's clearly in some kind of consumer packaged goods companies like Unilever or or something like that. So yeah, I, I like the fact his character's built out a little bit that way. Um, but yeah, I mean it it looks ridiculous because when when you you've got the camera in the sled, then and you see it from the outside, it's like someone's actually just fired a rocket. And and it's just it's not really believable. Now it's national lampoon in it, so it doesn't have to be completely believable. But it, it did look a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, it's, but for me again, I, I, this is all just the uh, just the starters for me. So it feels like Christmas when the grandparents turn up, and you get them all sort of coming in the house, and you've got that usual kind of tension between the in-laws and stuff and you know and then Clark starts putting up the Christmas lights for me this is I probably remember the second half of the movie a lot better than the first half
0: yeah and there is some moments in it that are memorable you're right as in I remember them the years ago being memorable watching it now I don't and and yeah, he's trying and trying, and they're all just being what all families are. When they go to someone else's house, they're just ungrateful, aren't they, Dave? They have no concept of yeah. you running around all day, getting the food ready, making sure this is in. Have you got the drinks in? There's always going to be that tight arse who comes with no money and no drinks and no food and all this. And it is very, very stereotypical, and I can relate to that so much. Obviously, they're a lot older. His dad's there and their call and... But even the stuff with the uncle who's got the wig on, Dave, it's like, oh, he's like... He's a nasty
1: done... little piece of shit, he was. I mean.
0: He is, he is, is he? But you sort of like, couldn't you have come up with something a bit better? The the typical, I mean, I suppose, he. I can't work out whether he's Italian or he's Jewish, the, the old guy, but he's just a nasty piece of work, Any The uncle, he really is. And I, I'm just not buying into it at all. I'm like, he's got a cigar in his mouth constantly, has he? And it's just like... I'm sure he's some old school comic or something, Dave. I don't even know who he is, but and I'm probably going to get called rotten for that because I've seen him. <laughs> but I think weird.
1: I think the wig jokes though. If if I think wig jokes, proper wig jokes, I think like Benny Hill. I think back back in the seventies kind of humour. You know, this is this is eighty nine. This is almost nineties. You know, I, th- I think of it as eighties, and of course, you know, technically it is. But you're getting into the nineties, and it, it's just. I agree. For the time, it, even that, it, it, the wig joke does feel a little bit dated when he takes his hat off there and he takes the wig off with it.
0: I'm just looking at that guy. His guy is William Hickey. He was only 69 when he died in 97. He looks a lot older in this. And this is 89. My God, he must have makeup on or something, Dave. Or a hard life. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, all, we all know about that, Dave. But yeah. <laughs> no, I just find that... I just. I, don't, I Honestly, I feel so negative. You mean to say he's like
1: a little bit older than what we are now. Well,
0: a bit closer for you, Dave. but not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, but... yeah. <laughs> but I tell no. you what—the the old
1: mother from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond's there as well. You yeah, know, she sort of jumped out to, uh, at the screen at me.
0: Yeah, she. I think she's just recently passed away as well, hasn't she? To be honest. Oh dear. Yeah, she has. If the last couple of weeks, I I do catch that when it's on. I've never been a fan of it, but if he's half an episode on, I will watch it. It's quite pleasant. He's not bad, Ray Romano, to be honest. But um, but no, I mean, what do you think of this the whole thing, Dave? So so you've got the tree thing, you, you know. You've got the family. You've got the fact that the meals are fucking disaster. Uh, it, there's a point there where Clark just gives up when he comes down. Everyone's arguing, and he's just had enough. He's just like, this is it. This well, is.
1: I think even before that, again, I talk about you know there's a lot of slapstick in this, um, but there's a lot of heart in it as well. So when he gets trapped up in the loft, and you know, again, fairly predictable, but you know, it, it was of the time. But he ends up watching um, old cine film of yeah. like himself as a as a kid, and you know, just he's got all of those memories. And you're watching the film and you're thinking that does look like organized chaos, you know, but to him, he's sort of got tears in his eyes. He can sort of remember it. So, you, so it's a little bit of a window into, you know, how much he holds Christmas dear. So I, I think, again, it's, it's little moments like that where, you know, it's not funny, but it, it just has that heart.
0: Well, well, it's funny, Dave. Let me tell you a little story. Very true. And I think that's a great explanation. I've recently, this weekend, just done a quiz for my wife's side of the family, Sam's side of the family. You know them all quite well, Dave, because we're in the band together. And I spend a budget, it's usually a five pound, a, a roll of, the boat out this year, £7.50 on the Christmas quiz. So I get dressed, up, bit of a wig. I've got my mic that I use in the band-aid, the SM58. I've got a tie on, nice. a blazer, yep. Well, it's the only way I use it these days, Dave. I don't use it for singing, so it's got me somewhere. <laughs> so it's a bit of a prop, unfortunately. And I spend about 20 minutes putting a quiz together, with a picture round, and then we had 20 questions based on Christmas. Now, to say that I absolutely bought the shittest ever prizes you will ever see. The top prize was by a woman called Deborah Sorey, and it was a DVD on how to make curtain pleats on your windows and stuff, Dave. How to put like, turns? Sounds
1: like Arnie from uh, Terminator Dark Fate Yeah, well,
0: yeah, it could like have been, to be fair. Yeah, it could <laughs> have been. And, and then the second prize was a Cliff Richard collection of records. Nobody's even got a record player. We had a fame record and D- uh, DVD combo. We had the Goonies, Dave, to be fair. Everyone was going mad over the Goonies. Nice. We nice. had a, the 1960 Railway Roundabout going around the railways of the UK. That was a prize. Uh, I had a packet of noodles, everything. And to say that by 11, o'clock at the start of the quiz it, it descended into an absolute literally punch-up, day between one family <laughs> and you know who they are and they had an absolute little brawl over this quiz and I had to jump in at one point oh and say God. yep and you know what I'm talking about but as, as it all happened I said the prizes, it's better you don't win because the prizes are fucking shit. But you look at the pictures, Dave, Facebook paints a picture that this was the best night ever and anyone looking from the outside. But you don't <laughs> show the 40 minutes where people were in and out of this flat, outside, inside, there was tears. I'm still cold sober, obviously, as well. I don't think so, you told me about this. Oh, well, I'm telling you now, Dave. So anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can imagine who it was. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll tell you the real story off air, Dave, because I don't get sued. Um, but it absolutely went off fucking royal. And what I'm getting to, I'm going in a roundabout way here, is Clark's looking at all as you say, organized chaos. Anybody who looks at them pictures who wasn't there is like... That is fucking amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. But to me, who organized it, I'm like, right, fuck it, never again. A bit like when Rocky fights under and he goes, and he has the big thing for charity and to get the pitch at the end. And that guy who's the compare goes, uh, thank God, you know, we're like, not doing it next yeah, year. Something. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that. So I get what he was getting at and I could relate to that. I could relate to it watching it yesterday considering what I'd just gone through on Saturday night. But (laughs) but then they all laugh about it the next day. Like it's nothing. I'm like, are you fucking all for real? It was literally fucking punch up at dawn the way it was going on over a quiz. You know why they think it's okay
1: and you don't? Because you were the sober one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is the big difference. I'm so the boring one, yeah. Everyone's hazy kind of drunken memory. They had a bit of a, bit of a heated debate and that was it. <laughs> Whereas you saw it for what it was. But no, no. Fucking
0: mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I I do agree. As much as I don't think it's a great movie, there is some endearing bits about Clark and what his ideology is on the family and that. And it's more a case of he works hard all year. He wants this moment to spend his time with his family. is precious. And I respect that, even though it's within a movie. I do respect the story that John Hughes is trying to tell, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And although I don't really sit with him on the, you know, I have no empathy the way he's treating his neighbours. When when old cousin Eddie turns up in his RV, because he'd been in the previous one, hadn't he? Uh, yeah. I think, not not the European vacation, the one previous to that, I think, if memory serves. The original
0: National Lampoon, yeah.
1: Yeah, but you've got Randy Quaid, and you're thinking, oh, fucking hell. And especially when he's when he's fucking got, his shitter was full, you know, and he's pouring his fucking chemical toilet into the into the storm drain and you're like oh fucking hell he actually kept it together quite well but i think all the way through the movie you know i mean he he snaps a little bit doesn't he when he can't get the lights working but generally he's holding it together and he's swallowing down all that frustration um but despite the fact that you know he keeps getting uh setback you have the cat obviously sets on fire again another kind of visual comedy gag there but um, I, I mean when he gets his bonus there or lack of bonus he gets a, a year subscription to the monthly jello club or something doesn't he and he goes absolutely ballistic I thought I, I can't recite any of it to be honest but the way he just went off on one I thought was was absolutely brilliant and oh, I can't even remember what Harry finishes off now It's like, fucking hallelujah holy shit or something like that I just thought it was a brilliant brilliant rant, that
0: it was and, and I think I think you're right I think that's probably the highlight of the movie and and I think one thing I would say Dave this whole thing with the bonus and everything is Where the fuck does he work that he's going to get a bonus to pay for a swimming pool and pay for the family to come back and christen the pool? Obviously, he doesn't get it at this point. And I'm like, my God, he's on some fucking money. And he's slagging off his boss saying he's over on whatever road he is. And and I'm like, wow. That's just it. So everything he's doing
1: seems fairly ostentatious to me. He spent $7,500 on a deposit for a full swimming pool in fucking Chicago. So you're going to be able to use it for about a week in the year. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's talking about his boss being rich and stuff. But he seems pretty bloody well off to me. And, and I don't know. So I only knew this by, by sort of looking back and, and researching about it. But there was a big economic downturn around 89. So, you know, there were a lot of people who lost their jobs around that time. And you know who else didn't get a bonus in 1989? Go on. Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> and actually I think there's a lot of similarities the fuck between did you pull Clark, from Clark Griswold and Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the same isn't it? He doesn't get yeah. his bonus from Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> he goes
0: after him. And I, I, I think
1: I, after after these boom times uh, these economic boom times in the 80s it was all a bit Wall Street you know, money was just easy to come by. I think if you were in a privileged job like Clark is, he's obviously some kind of management, uh, you know, and, and has a good job where he gets a big fat bonus. Um, but again, it it doesn't help me as an adult watching it really empathize with him that much.
0: No, and and you know what, Dave, right? If I'd only ever realized... You know, what was I, in 89, I was 11. So if I'd only realised 30 years later that the reason to get a big fuck-off bonus is to kidnap your boss in his pyjamas and basically threaten him, and he would just go, you know what, you're right about that. I mean, not that bit at the end where <laughs> Eddie goes and gets him because Clark's had the you know, the tree's been on fire and everything, and he turns up with him wrapped in a bow, done his boss, and he's gagging him. And he just comes in, <laughs> And 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 it's like and what the only I tell you, one bit was actually quite funny. Was which I did quite laugh at was when all this happened, and obviously, you can see the boss then they're going on about him saying, How oh, did any because I've decided to change the uh the bonus. Now, that guy who plays his boss was actually in the original one, Dave. I think he was actually one of the park attendants at Wally World. He's he's in loads of things, there maybe, yeah, I, yeah. I see him all over, yeah, he's in quite a few, and and it's the way he just changes and he feels a bit sorry for him and he's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, fucking hell. He'd be getting down for a 20 year stretch, wouldn't you? You know, cousin cousin, Ed, uh, cousin Eddie's done done one. Well, what a bit of laugh that was when his wife comes in and she's ringing the police and she's like, this big, you know, godly like guy, big, uh, towering man's took him or whatever. And they come in and, she, and he says, uh, why have you done it? He goes, no, no, it's a bit of a misunderstanding. This is Clark Griswold. The first time he said Clark, because he calls him different names, doesn't he, in the movie? Yes. Because uh, you don't know him. And then he says, uh, I've stopped his bonus. And she, she, she goes, you, stop, she, what, you cheap bastard or something. Yeah. Says. And then, and then the, the, the the copper, the policeman goes, yeah, well, if I had a rubber, what did he say? If I had a rubber bat. Rubber, rubber hose or something. I'd hit you with it. I was, I was actually laughing at that. Like, yeah, go on. But that's the only bit, truthfully, that I actually you know, I actually found was, think, and i tell you what ruined it, Dave, when he said, I'm going to give you your bonus plus 20%. It's when Clark then faints. It was all about Chevy Chase again, wasn't it? We had a lovely moment there, which could have been, everyone rode off into the sunset, but oh no, Chevy has to come across Dunny like, and just, I thought he just ruined that whole scene, to be honest.
1: Uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I must admit, watching it this time, I was thinking, oh, that is fucking bollocks. You know, he's, got, he's decided, agonized over paying bonuses to his whole company. And then he's just like, oh, you've kidnapped kidnapped me and my my wife's called me out and everyone thinks I'm an arsehole. Oh, go on then, have your bonus and 20% as well. You know, this isn't just a rich guy who owns the company. All right, he's the boss. But he's just verbally agreed to uh, pay out millions to all his employees and stuff. It's just like, it's almost like Grinch level. You know, it's like a fairy tale Ending, sort of thing, and, and again, yeah. everything else was just stretching believability a bit, and that, that was just way
0: off for me. That one, it was because it was basically that, that end bit was just Ebenezer Scrooge, wasn't it? From nowhere, instead of the like the, yeah. the ghost yeah. taking him off of Christmas past, it was his fucking cousin Eddie in a Winnebago. <laughs> um, <but laughs> yeah. It's just it's just fucking nonsense, you're right. Because you know, forget, we know it's a comedy, you've got to dispel reality. I know that. But the fact that he's just randomly, because some bloke who he couldn't even get his name right has decided to kidnap him, and what he's, he's, you know, his cousin has or whatever, is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So but,
1: Ebenezer Scrooge gets, you know, uh, he goes on a journey for the whole night with three different ghosts. Yes. <laughs> you go off on that story. The, the boss is just like, no, I'm not going to pay it all. Uh, Okay, then go on then. <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, I mean, from nowhere. Let Let us think about that realistically, Dave. Is Clark's going to buy a fucking swimming pool? You've just said he spent seven and a half grand de- deposit. That pool's not going to take him short of thirty grand. So say he's got a hundred employees. We're talking fucking millions here, Dave, just to satisfy a fucking. And he's you know, probably got more you than know what
1: that. this. Is this is Superman three level calculations yeah (laughs) when um when Richard Pryor pinches a nickel or something was it one cent off everyone's Mm. uh paycheck and and the company would have to be the biggest company in the world or something yeah, you, you it, it, did it's like that level of maths isn't yeah. it
0: i remember you on that episode saying that i was episode 50 of comics in motion wasn't it and it, and yeah. you said you said you went i've tried to work it out you'd have to have fucking millions of employees around the world just to even get near that what he'd skimmed off him it's absolute fucking stupid so so yeah at this point i'm all clark griswold and then the comedy sketches and stuff out basically I've had enough now I want it to go off and be nice and they get the Christmas they deserve he gets his swimming pool he may even get a bit of the Launteree girl as well if he's lucky with his bonus whatever Clark wants to do but no we have to have something ridiculous and Uncle Lewis with the wig decides to throw his cigarette stroke cigar and we've had this whole thing they've alluded to about the storm, you know, there's a smelling there, there's a smell of gas, blah, blah, blah. And it's because obviously Eddie has put all these sewage down, as you said before, and we get this sleigh, the sleigh goes into the air, doesn't it, with the reindeers on the actual sort of um, prop that he's got outside the house and that. And and I just felt again, oh, it's just it's one thing after another. It just I just think this movie for me now, and it's so bad, it's just oversaturated with too many obvious things and it, it feels like they've got all the ingredients there to be one of the best movies ever as in comedy and Christmas movies but it's just like they threw everything at it but there was not because there was quite a big budget for this it was $25 million budget which is quite a lot for this sort of movie but it just for me Dave sadly it just feels like an off step completely and I, I really I'm going to be saying that because I always held it in such high esteem them rose-tinted glasses unfortunately have been well and truly cleared watching this again See, I, I see that end
1: bit a little bit differently. I mean, we'd had the build up, hadn't we? So, you know, we'd seen Eddie dumping his sewage, his, his chemical toilets into the storm drain. Clark had said, you know, that could, uh, you know, produ- I don't think he said produce methane, but he's, I think he just said produce gases and, you know, you don't want to be around a naked flame. He'd had the uncle burn down the tree earlier. And then for this final gag, you've had all of that build up, so you know there's this build up of of uh, explosive gases, and then you get that little moment, you know, with uh, with the Santa Claus. It's it's heartwarming Christmas stuff, Chris.
0: I'm not even answering, Dave. <laughs> not even answering. <laughs> but anyway, um...
1: <laughs> I love Shall your
0: explanation. Our... Should we go into our final review? Let's go, Dave. Right, Dave, so if you can uh, forgive me on this, I'll go first today. I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I will actually watch this again. I think I, I think, I, I deserve to watch it again just to see if I was just being a bit of a grouchy fucker because basically a lot of these reviews now, I am just, as I said, at the top of the show, I'm just becoming the bad guy and I'm not that type of person. You know me, Dave. I'm... I'm I'm quite a happy-go-lucky person, but I'm not enjoying the last few movies we've we've done, which is good because obviously I've done you over big time. Now I do think Chevy Chase is a good actor, and I say some of the heartwarming stuff does sort of get to me and does relate to me, probably because I'm near enough about the same age as him now as when this was filmed. What I would say is the the, the fact that he's he's probably in every single scene is pretty much what was said when we're done the write-up, when I've, I've researched it. It just pisses me off. I've always loved Clark Griswold. I've always loved the character, Sparky, the whole thing. Obviously, the Griswold lights on the house or Griswold house, that's become pop culture reference even in the UK. To when people, somebody's just absolutely over-the-top ridiculous with the Christmas decorations, which I love, but you do see him even near where I live. There's so many references, which are great, but I just don't think it's aged very well. And I really, really want to watch it again just to see if I was just, I caught it at the wrong time. Was I paying too much attention to my phone? Did I sit there and concentrate? I just don't know. And for being a character that I love so much in the first two, and I loved him in this, I always thought I did. I just don't get it. I think Home Alone is a miles better film. All right, slightly different idea, but it's still a brilliant film. And it's John Hughes as well. So for me, Dave, it's going to Elm Street. It's not the film where I turn around and go, I'll never watch that again, which I've said, or this is the worst thing. It's not the worst thing. I just didn't invest in it this time. And I just think, sadly, coming 2019-20, as we go into 2020, it's a really, really difficult watch for me. And I really, really thought I'd come out of this one praising it and sending it to Cloud City, but I just simply can't. So what about yourself, Dave? Well, I think the very first thing is
1: it, it didn't age as well as I thought it would do. I was really looking forward to this one and I just thought, you know, I hadn't seen it for a number of years. That wasn't by design. It just, you know, quite often in and around Christmas when everyone's off and stuff and in the evenings, you've got something on the TV, you know, it it tends to be other movies now and and not National Lampoon. (sighs) Why that is, I don't quite know, but after this rewatch, I suspect strongly, you know, it's not just us that thinks this hasn't aged particularly well. With that said, I must confess that I have watched this one twice because I was so surprised at exactly the same year as you. and We haven't really talked about this one, but because I had not really enjoyed it at all, it was just like a, a brief murmur, you know, and you're sort of remembering back to how you felt as a kid when you were watching it and laughing, but not really laughing at it now. And it it was just so surprising to me. I had to go back and watch it again. And I think, again, I I do think that possibly comedy's just moved on from where this was. So I did find in that second rewatch, there's a lot more heart to the movie, as, as you find with a lot of John... Hughes movies, you know, but the the, the slapstick comedy, uh, some of the some blatant sexism, the fact that Clark is a he's a bit of a dick. He's not just you know a, a kind of frustrated dad. Uh, I do wonder if he he had some kind of influence on Homer Simpson because, like I say, in in eighty nine was the debut for the Simpsons as well, and and he didn't get his bonus. I don't think. I think that just is a coincidence in and around that economic time, but you can kind of see that the way Clark is, it's very much like Homer Simpson, isn't he? So I can only think he's, he has had some influence somewhere, but I think for me, I I would be doing it a bit of an injustice if I didn't send this one to Hill Valley because I did still have a bit of fun. All right. It wasn't laugh out loud fun, but to go back and watch it, um, but it's it's probably more my nostalgia talk in there. So if you have watched this, you know, back in the day and you really enjoyed it, then I think you will still enjoy it. But I think you might be a little bit surprised as well at how it doesn't age well. In my memory, I had, you know, the Christmas lights, the rant at the end, you know, things like that I do remember. But there's a lot of spaces in between as well that, that just... Have it dragging on a little bit, and some of the slapstickiness uh, doesn't hold up as well as you think it would. So, if I was a millennial, sort of going back and looking at this, I, I think it would go to Elm Street and possibly even Damtoen, to be honest. Um, but no, for me, it's a hill valley.
0: Yeah, no, that's good stuff, Dave. Good stuff. Um, now, guys, if you do want to get in contact with us at VHS Strikes Back on Twitter and if you want to email in with any suggestions or if you agree or disagree on myself and Dave's reviews the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com and as always if you've got the time myself and Dave would love you to get onto our or onto our onto your podcast catching app and just drop ourselves a review on the show just helps myself and Dave get us out there to more people Okay, Dave, so a great episode. And I do enjoy when you throw things like this in front of us because we both sort of suggest different things to watch on the VHS. So I'm sure in the New Year, Dave, I'm going to get you back before you throw me to that crouching tiger ninja thing that we're going to watch, which just, is just not appealing to me at all. We both want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Have a great time with your family. And please, whatever you do, don't act like crack griswold because it never ends perfectly does it so have a good time guys eat plenty of chocolate plenty of mince pies and we'll see you next time see you later that's it man game over man it's game over what the fuck are we gonna do now what are we gonna do maybe we could build a fire sing a couple
1: of songs huh why don't we try that we better get back because it'll be dark soon and they
0: mostly come at night mostly i'll be back that's annoying. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off.
1: One oh! oh! ring to bell? All right. Ding, ding. Bust you up. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ah so bad. Ain't it. so bad.
0: ain't so bad. Ah, God, ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. you just a stupid Yeah, fool. maybe you stupid. stupid. ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I'll see you
1: I'll in six months. I must break.